Life's Learning Curve, Episode 63, John Didana. Hi again, everybody, and welcome to Life's Learning Curve. I'm Paul Hart, your host. You know, uh, our podcast here, Life's Learning Curve, is all about trying to become the best us that we can be. And we do that through retelling stories, interacting with things that have happened to us. Okay, so today, John Dodonna is our guest. And John has been many things to many people throughout his life. Besides being a father, a brother, a son, a, a grandpa, a comedic friend to many, John's worked hard to create and produce a lifetime of comedy right here locally in the Midwest. Now, over the years, from being on stage to TV, John Dodonna has put a smile on our faces. But where did that passion to make others happy come from? Let's find out. Sebastian. Here we go. Life's Learning Curve with Paul Hart. Episode A Face for Radio. John DiDonna. Stand by. Stand up comic. An entertainer, a graphic artist, a puppeteer, a photographer, a TV producer, ladies and gentlemen. TV's John Dodonna. Hey, fake applause right here. <laughs> hey, John. Who said that? Who's talking? Is this radio? Um, this is, this is radio, radio? Oh. and there's some visual to it, too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because people used to tell me I have a good face for radio. Yeah, well, so. I, I could back <laughs> yeah. those people up with yeah. that. I've known John since the late 80s, probably, and yes. I worked on some programs for him. And he got me involved in some of the comedy and things he was doing, and it was so much fun. But we reconnected. We were just talking about this a minute or so ago. We reconnected through Facebook, and it was one of those mornings where you get up, and, and I was looking in the mirror, and I and I, I looked, and I thought, you know, you get closer and closer to the mirror, you start to see the age lines and the wrinkles, and you go, yes. oh my gosh, you know, the older I, I, I get, the more I felt I was starting to look like the older version of Chico Marx from yes. the Marx Brothers, yes. and... Um, I didn't know if I liked that or not, so I, I don't know why. I went out and posted it on Facebook, and who responded? John Jadana, my friend from 1987. There right, you go. Right, right. So how are you doing, John? I'm good, but uh, but uh, you yeah. just reminded me of something. Okay. I was in the bathroom in the dark, star- no. staring into the mirror for a long time. Yeah. In the dark. All of a sudden, I thought I saw a Japanese person staring back at me, uh-huh. but it was just me squinting. Oh, I see. So it didn't amount to <laughs> it didn't amount to anything. Yeah. Well, I was in the newspaper business for 30 years, off and on. Okay. I worked for a lot of the, the Shaw publications. Okay. Shaw newspaper publication. I worked for like five different newspapers, in 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 in, in different uh, different jobs. But I never thought. I never thought that I ever belonged in the working world, yeah. okay? I didn't belong. I didn't follow any rules. I didn't go to mandatory meetings. Yeah. John, you're supposed to be in this meeting. No, no, thanks. You had the suit, though. One time I did, I did go to a meeting, and I brought in a ventriloquist dummy with me. 
and I sat it on my lap. I never said a word the entire time, and me and the dummy just kept looking at each other. <laughs> the publisher was in there. He got mad. He gave me a lecture afterwards. He got mad. Okay. He got mad. Everybody, some people were snickering. Some people were just shocked. What's this guy doing? But I just walked in. And I was just that's that's fun. It's staring a funny story. At that, did, the, the did, the, the, did the dummy get a raise? <laughs> no. Uh, they did lay me off on my 20th anniversary with the company. Two people from Human Resources came in. I thought I was getting an award. They told me to get out. Boy, isn't that... The, that okay. That's a common tale. That's fine. That's, that's awful. Fine. Yeah, so I did. I never belonged in the working world. Quick thing about one. I was a photographer for the Elburn Herald. Okay. I was a photographer for a few different newspapers, but I was commissioned to go to a grade school to give a uh, lecture about cameras to a, a third grade class. Okay. Okay. So they set me up in the library and they brought in the entire third grade class and they all sat on the floor and I was going to show them the camera and the giant lens that I had on right. the outside and stuff. And I yeah. had my back to them and I'm setting all this stuff up. Right. Okay. Unbeknownst to me, my zipper was down, and my shirt tail was sticking out through it. <laughs> Didn't know it. I swung around, and I said, Hey, kids, ever see one of these before? <laughs> no. <laughs> there was no way out of it. I had to slowly turn around, fix yeah. things, and then turn around again and pretend it never uh, happened. <laughs> so that's, that was one of my life's most embarrassing moments. Yeah. Except... Oh, yeah. When Mike Trestick pulled my gym shorts down in front of the girls' gym class yeah. in freshman year. To this day, I'm still looking for Mike Trestick. If I find him, I'm going to pull his pants off, no matter where he's at. Grocery store, restaurant. But yeah. Before the cops dragged me away. He Well, he deserves that. But, but, <laughs> but John, the thing was, weren't you like standing outside the girls' locker room for about three days just waiting for him to come by to do it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, he told me to wait there. And, so I, <laughs> I think that's the, the, and now the rest of the story. You've worked, um, you know, you talked about working at the, the Herald in, in Elburn, right? All right, so you got pretty uh, good, pretty comfortable using Photoshop, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, and a lot of your— uh, Well, I learned Photoshop years earlier at the uh, Kane County Chronicle in Geneva. Yeah. They had just brought it in, and it was—I the, the, I started at the very first earlier version, version of, of Photoshop. I think it was gasoline-powered or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> get, get this Photoshop <laughs> Oh, I'm yeah. choke on. Yeah, so, but the and you can do amazing things in Photoshop. I mean, yeah. every every artist should know how to use it. What made you laugh as a kid? My family, my father. My father was a very serious guy, but I I come from an, an Italian family. Okay, mm-hmm. lots of. Lots of big meals, Italian meals. Right. Yeah. Eight-year-olds were having heart attacks in my family. So, <laughs> you know, and uh, but yeah. my father, he had his he had his own language. He he would say, he would say Debodia. My brother and I'd be playing outside. Get in the house, Debodia. Yeah. Or right. or Jeet, which means did you eat? Jeet? No, Jew. 
So yes. So that uh, and when I was three years old, uh-huh. I'm laying on a, on the floor and I drew a perfect picture of a man. When I was three years old, my my mother screamed. Oh my God! Look what he did! And my dad yelled, "Shut up! I'm watching the news." <laughs> so he had no interest. The news is much better yes. than this drawing right here. He he had no interest. Did you find a certain amount of, of um, pleasure or enjoyment in making members of your family laugh, or was it you who you're trying to? I sat in my room. All the other kids are out playing, and I'm drawing cartoons. I laugh at them, and then I put them in a drawer and never showed them to anybody. I was there to to entertain myself. I I I like being alone. I like yeah, right. entertaining myself. It, it, exactly. it didn't well, didn't uh, matter. Uh, to me, I think when I, as as I grew up, my uh, my joy. My dad didn't laugh all the time, but he he was pretty light hearted, and. But the thing I, I noticed about him was he would roar with laughter when he watched the Dick Van Dyke show. Really? And it, it was, he would literally force him out of the chair. He'd be laughing so hard in this loud laugh. And I thought, I really took note as a kid and thought, that's that's interesting. My, my, that's quite my interesting. My dad was the opposite. He hated Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> he, he kept saying... Why is this guy wearing a suit and tie in his own house? <laughs> well, like, uh, Ward Cleaver came home and wore a suit and tie in his own house, and it was always that really tight. Ward took the, the, the boys to to a, a ball game, and they all had to wear suits and ties. What the, That's right. What's going on with that? I don't know. I, I don't know. I, it's hard to explain the early 60s, except we probably dressed better. Do you yes. remember coming home from school? I'm just jumping around here, but uh, did you have to change from your school clothes to your oh, yes. play clothes or yes. whatever your parents called them? Yeah, it doesn't yes. happen anymore. Yes, we yeah. only had like uh, three shirts and two pair of pants to last the whole school year. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. One time I was uh, watching a war movie with him. I was a little kid. We're watching a war movie. Yeah. I said, Dad, what what, what are those big metal things that go over the hills with the big gun on the front. He, yeah. sa- he said, tanks, son. Yeah. I said, you're welcome, Dad. <laughs> but he never told me what those things were. <laughs> to this day, you're still right. wondering. Right, tanks. You still see them. <laughs> okay, I met, I met you uh, and your equally talented younger brother, Joe, yes. when you uh, produced and acted and starred in a show local show called Twits. Right. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What was Twits? Twits stands for This Week in the Suburbs, and it's a comedy news program. To this day, if I plug that show in, I'm on the floor laughing, even though I was there. And it's it's really tongue-in-cheek, subtle humor. It's all over the place. We have these characters. We have, like, Clint Eastwood and Charles Bronson as as roommates in the mean couple, yeah. you know. And but if if you watch the show and and we one great thing my brother did is he 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 showed the outtakes also, yeah, and which were just and we're rolling on the floor and laughing at ourselves, right? And it was the most fun I ever had in my life with all these things I've done. That was the most fun that show. And I can, uh, that makes sense, yeah. My stand-up comedy partner Tim Mack. Right, remember Tim? He, you know, he's a t- 
tall, handsome guy. When we did stand up, we had like a Martin and Lewis routine. He, yes, he yeah. was the he was the tall, handsome guy, and I was I was the monkey. Yeah, I would sit in the audience and heckle him, and he'd bring me on stage, and we'd do some routines. So you actually you did do that? Yes, yes. Okay, we we did about three different comedy clubs. We did a circuit. Nice. And what was the that. time frame of that? Is that the nineties, eighties? That was uh, actually that was actually during Twits. It was like from 85 to 87. Yeah. Yeah. But Tim was very talented, but very difficult to work with. For instance, one time we were rehearsing, and we did, we did a lot. We brought some of our stuff into Twits, like the punch drunk boxer. Yes. Yeah. Answering yeah. the questions. Exactly, yeah. A clip from Twits. <laughs> I noticed uh, you don't wear a mouthpiece. No, not anymore. No. Why is that? That's I swallowed of- it. Well, don't you think fighters should have mouthpieces? Uh, it hasn't come out yet. <laughs> well, would you ever wear a mouthpiece Not again? Not that mouthpiece. I ain't going to wear that mouthpiece. <laughs> and we were rehearsing that, and before every question Tim asked me, he'd say, well, let me ask you this, Rock. And then, but before every question, let me ask you this, Rock. I said, Tim, we got to stop. You are saying, let me ask you this before every question, and it's... It's not good. Stop doing it. It's and he said, he yeah. said, I'm not doing that. I said, you are doing that. Yeah. He said, no, I don't think I'm doing that. I, so I turned on the tape recorder yeah. that I had running, yeah. and I played it for him. And he still said, I'm not doing that. <laughs> so so you're starting to build a story like the Sunshine Boys at yeah, this point. Yeah, between exactly. the two of you. Yeah. Well, Tim worked with us earlier back in 83 on the puppet shows okay. the, the puppet show we took out to the east coast okay okay wow with with bob sherman we'll talk about him later yeah. he's he's a genius and great guy to work with but uh and bob sherman was in charge it was his show bob ended up wow. taking uh tim by the ear dra- <laughs> dragging him down to the bus station putting him on a bus and sending him home that's how annoying tim became so, did it, did it start out that way? No, he had to discipline him a few times, mm-hmm. but Tim just started. I don't know if he was homesick or what, but. Sometimes I just. Do I just that. learned I, something there. I, I just what, learned something about what? the teeth there. The, the fake teeth there. Yeah. They, actually, they're a thing. Yeah, know? they are. You can buy these. He another thing he did. He he disappeared. Five years at a time. Over the years, he would disappear for five years. He and disappeared come back. from the show, I know. He disappeared. He was from the gone. Twits. Once. We did. He did Twits one through three. If you see this man, his name is Tim Mack, a missing comedian. He is approximately six feet tall, 200 pounds, dark hair, bloodshot eyes, and he'll be holding a microphone. Martin? Twits four. Right after the dance at the yeah. end. Twits 4 I did alone, and Twits 5 I did with uh, Gary Homuth, who was stage name Martin Scalisi, and he was a joy to work with. Oh, okay. And I can't find him. I was going to say what happened to him. I can't find him. I would really love to find him. I've typed in his name and his other name, and he's he's off the grid. Yeah. Or he's dead. Yeah, one of those two. But even if he had passed, you'd usually find an obituary or something like that. That's how I found a lot of my friends. (laughs) Yeah, me too. (laughs) What are some of the things you really appreciated about your partner? 
very quick. He would get me. If I would yeah. go off on a tangent, he could jump right in and, yeah. and be just as funny as me. Sure. He was very quick like that. Sure. But then he could be a jerk on the other side. Right. So, but you have to take people as they are. Yeah. You, you, you can't uh, yeah. say, sometimes you're a jerk, so I don't want to deal with you anymore. Yeah. But you're really talented, so I'm going to put up with you. So I grew up with the humor of Stan Freeberg and Bob Newhart and early Bill Cosby. I, I was the same way with uh, Ernie Kovacs. That was my next person. <laughs> okay. Was Ernie Kovacs. Oh, my God. Had he lived? What Ernie Kovacs, for those people who don't know, I, is, is and I'm not going to explain him well because I haven't read everything about him, but he was very innovative. He, he would set up a camera in, on a set, and he'd do a whole scene of something, right. and he'd go to pour a a pitcher of water and the water would go up. Yes. That's because he did the whole thing upside down, but you couldn't tell. Yes. And for that day and age, that was innovative. And what were the monkeys? What, oh, yeah. The What were they called? I can't Mongo, remember. Mongolian trio or something. Brought out this easel, big pad of paper on it, and he drew a refrigerator yeah. and the freezer up on top. He just drew it. But then he took a little knife, a little exacto knife, and he cut along the top of the freezer, yeah. peeled it back, opened it up, and these ice cubes came pouring out. <laughs> Again, it it seems like nothing for you know 2022 when we're shooting this, but but in the early 60s, late 50s, that was it's really cool. And then he died in a, in a traffic accident, yes. didn't he? That's too bad. Yeah, his wife uh, was Edie Adams, e- Edie Adams and Beautiful. he he died just before she started shooting It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. And yeah. so she was very depressed film. throughout that. Yeah. It's my favorite comedy. Yeah, I have it on, on DVD. I won't watch it on network television because that takes like seven hours. Yeah, with the commercials, yeah. yeah. We wanted to see it as a family, and, and we went to a drive-in and saw it. It was the only time our family ever went to a drive-in. I saw it at the drive-in, too, with my dad. <laughs> and my dad, we sat, and it was... It was it's kind of drizzling out, so we kept the windows all the way closed. But my dad smoked like five packs of cigarettes <laughs> throughout that movie. <laughs> so do you remember the original yeah. film? Diffusion. There's all this the smoke Everybody diffusion. in my family smoked. It was like yeah, at a, at a family it. party to talk to somebody. You, yeah. You walked around with your personal fan. How you doing, Uncle Phil? Oh, well, I'm not fine. (laughs) Yeah, he's coughing it. I'm going to go outside, get some fresh air, smoke a couple (laughs) cigarettes, and I'll I'll, I'll be right back. (laughs) Every Italian family had a guy that talked like that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I I can remember my dad laughing about... when Jimmy Durante dies at the beginning of the film. And he, he kicked the bucket. <laughs> literally kicks the bucket. <laughs> right. And it, right. They, there's certain things that hang with you your whole life. That's what I remember about you know, that film. And there's big there's little lines that nobody else remembers that I remember that I thought were hilarious. Yeah. When Mickey Rooney and Buddy Hackett were up in the plane, yeah. and they were finally going to land, and Mickey Rooney said, what's, what's this coming? Buddy Hackett said, that's good, that's cement. <laughs> <laughs> I've uh, heard Stanley Kramer... The producer, director said there wasn't much ad libbing at all. Yeah. The the problems they had were between filming when they were all sitting out in the desert and Phil Silvers had a always had a 
crap game going on. Just like his TV show. And Jonathan Winters would run out into the desert doing routines with cactuses and stuff. So they finally had to keep him locked in her trailer <laughs> because he'd go nuts. He was pretty out there. Yes. Yes. Back uh, talking about this week in the suburbs, you did a variety of characters, which I'm sure, you know, you'd been doing for years oh, yeah. before yeah. that. But I, I remember your Groucho Marx um, uh, piece segment that oh, you yeah. did. Yeah. That was, you laid sideways on the desk and thing. you did Groucho. A clip from Twitch. You know, I remember my wife. I can see her now bending over in a hot stove. But I can't see the stove. Ah, but enough reminiscing. I'm here to talk about taxes. But what do I know about taxes? I've only been to Texas once, Dallas, Texas. Biggest state in the union, except for my wife. I did community theater right out of high school. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I didn't do, I could, well, I, in those days, I could do all the Marx Brothers. But yeah. me and my, my best friend, Rich Lever, and a guy named Chris Limber, and another guy, yeah. we ran around the town promoting the play dressed as the Marx Brothers. Nice, that's we'd, great. We'd run into stores and throw yeah. things up in uh-huh, the air, uh-huh. and people yeah. are calling the cops on us, and we're yeah. running out. I was Chico. Oh, yeah, my, okay, my, there you my go. Friend, my friend Rich was Groucho. And, so. That's great. Well, you did a great Groucho. I, I, the speed in, at which you delivered your lines, I'm yeah. going back to the 87 stuff, 88 stuff. Mm-hmm. It's really good. One time he was on Dick Cavett's show, and he, was, he had started talking about why he never went into the service. Uh-huh. He got out of military duty because of his bad eyes. And he said, Chico was rejected because of a bad ear. Okay. And Harpo was rejected because he wouldn't answer any of their questions. <laughs> <laughs> so I just thought that's I, great. That's that's uh, quite funny. Do you have a favorite Marx brother? No, it'd have to be Chico. Yeah. Yeah. I it, memorized Almost all of his oh, his beautiful. spiels and yeah. routines. Well, I tell you, Monday we watch Firefly's house, but he no come out. He wasn't home. Mm-hmm. Tuesday we go to the ball game, but he fool us. He no show up. Wednesday he go to the ball game, we fool him. We no show up. <laughs> Thursday was a doubleheader. Nobody show up. Friday it rained all day. There was no ball game, so we stay home and listen to it over the radio. <laughs> <laughs> Did they write their own stuff, do you think? Back no. Then? They had some great writers. And let me tell you but something. But they, they performed then. Well, yeah. Let me tell you something. They would write their movies first as a stage play. Yes. They would go out and they would take it on the road for about a year, oh, perfecting everything. The writers would be sitting in the audience saying, that joke works, that joke doesn't work, so and so. And then when they were ready, they shot the movie. In, in 1930... They were, I was uh, a kid. They were doing animal. <laughs> they were doing animal crackers, crackers yeah. on on Broadway. Yeah. One of Groucho's best friends came and saw the show. After the show, he said, "Groucho, once you give up this show business stuff, come work with me in my law firm. Come on, you can make ten thousand dollars a year yeah. in my law firm." Yeah. Well, Groucho did not have the heart to tell this guy he was making ten thousand a week. <laughs> so, <laughs> Can yeah. you imagine back then? 1930, making $10,000 make 10, a week? Yeah. I can't imagine but then Groucho now. lost it all in the in the stock market crash. Yeah. Lost it all, had to start over. How did the Marx Brothers impact you? They were always making fun of and fighting against authority. Yeah. And I learned how to do that at, a, at an early age, which which 
pretty much harmed my career in the newspapers. <laughs> right. I, yeah, I did. Yeah. I had no respect for people. I think sometimes there's not a lot enough to do, and so they hire extra people. And extra and people. Those... they're always having meetings. Meetings. It makes them feel jobs. important. Yeah, have meetings. I have to have. Yeah. Uh, I have to have another meeting to validate my phony baloney yes. job. Here's a crazy. Here's a crazy thing I did one time. Tell me. It was uh, middle of winter in the evening. I was going. It was snowing. I I was going from house to house, knocking on doors. And if an old lady opened the door, I'd say, "Mother, it's me. It's George Bailey. <laughs> Don't you know me?" And then she'd just stare at me, and I'd run away and do it to another house. <laughs> I can see you doing it. Yeah, I mean, I did it's, it. it's not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Any, anything from that movie is is it can be comedic. Almost anything from it's a wonderful yeah. life can be comedic. And think about all. Uh, yeah, think about all the uh, well, the Potter. crimes, all the crimes he commits yeah. during that movie. He yeah. punches a cop. He attacks a woman. He embezzles money. Yeah. At the end, everybody comes and gives him all this money. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck? Wow, that's like a template, you know, for for bad behavior. Do you have a favorite uh, Twits memory, favorite scene uh, sequence you did? Yes, I have a favorite, and, and I asked you to post it for me. What you did was when... Uh, <laughs> Bob Sherman fell on the floor, <laughs> floor laughing. See, I was I was supposed to take the uh, I was Charles Bronson in a Puff, Puffs. Puffs commercial. I was yeah. supposed to take the take the Clean tissue out tissue of out of the box and blow. And he was it was attached to a string, and he was supposed to play the slide whistle and pull the string at the yeah. same time. Right. What complicated this whole thing is my mustache kept falling off. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Props, yeah. you know. Yes. Yeah. And every time we think we're getting through it, getting it right, it half would finally he couldn't take it anymore. And he, he just, just broke up. And, and fell he's apart. got the weirdest laugh you ever heard. Yeah, it's a yeah. Yeah. yeah it's <laughs> an inhale, laugh in thing. A clip from Twits. Can I go anytime? Anytime. Yeah. You know I'm tough. But even tough guys get a cold. And when we get a cold, we can't just reach for any tissue like this. Ah, you see what happens? I reach for. Charles Bronson for Puffs. And, and if yeah. you remember Charles Bronson, he was just so grit. Gri- well, you do, obviously. You've got him on your shirt, right, right. which you drew. Uh, uh, he was so grim, and he was so squinty-eyed, yes. so <laughs> so terse about life and things. <laughs> to, and the first guy who looked at him and said, this guy should be in yeah. a film, you know. Right. And you knew he was that way in real life. Yeah. You know, you know that, that Charles Bronson in, in McDonald's. Hey, you zit face. Give me a cheeseburger, and there better not be a pickle on there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And when you did bronze, and, and, and sometimes you did them in, in close-up because because uh, of the hat issue, but that's right. neither here nor there. But you do them in close-up, and there'd be that sideways shot of you just yeah. squinting, you know, like... Yeah. <laughs> that whole thing. I love that, because your face did, at that particular time, lend itself to yes. look a little bit like Charles Bronson, yeah. you know? And it was easy, because between Tim and I, yeah. I'd say we did about 150 voices. Did 150 you? impressions. Wow. The old people. Yes. Nobody right. does impressions no. of actors now. Pep Boys. Pep Boys. Pep Boys. Pep Boys. I do remember also, uh, you ha- you guys had the three characters, Manny, Moe, and Jack. Now, I know the Pep Boys now because they came to the Midwest, but back then they weren't here. So... Something. Where did the Pep Boys come from? How did you get a hold of that? Joe had, has a, his best friend. I think lived on the East Coast at that time, and I think he might have introduced Joe to the Pep Boys. I'm looking for twists. When your brakes go bad, don't get mad. The three best friends your car ever had. Pep Boys: Manny, Mo, and Jack. <laughs> But in, in a couple shows, maybe three shows, there would just be the, the caricatures, the Pep Boys, and you'd be, Pep Boys. Da, yeah. da, 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 they'd just be moving. Uh, let me ask you, too. There was the character, and I think it was this might have been a relative of yours. You'd put, you'd animated a, a still picture. Uh, Kenny? Crazy Kenny. Who was that? That was my my mom's brother, my Uncle Kenny. Okay. He was a drunk, and he was the funniest man I ever saw, and my dad hated him. Because <laughs> he was always laughing. He was always laughing. And then he was always happy and laughing. And punch truck boxer routine? Yes. We lifted that from another. Alan, Alan and Rossi. We lifted that word for word from them. funny. We had an album, and we listened to it, and we said, Hey, we're going to do that because yeah. nobody's going to remember this, no. and they'll think it's ours. Yeah, yes, a lot so of the, lot of stealing going. Very cool, but it gave you a chance to do that character and to, to do the voice, which yes. was which was just fun. You and your brother Joe, do you if, guys make each other laugh? Oh yeah! If you ever, well, if if I ever go to a family party. We don't have as many as we used to. Right, of course. You want to have fun. You want to have fun. You park yourself by Joe, and he will tell you stories about his mail route and all the characters yeah. he meets and the old Jewish guy, and he does all the voices and stuff. And it's it's just <laughs> hilarious. Just park yourself near Joe if you're ever. In. If you could just choose another route for Joe, what would it have been? Another career, maybe. <sighs> Jeff Forrester said it best one yeah. time. You remember Jeff Forrester? Yeah. He said, you guys should have been born 20 or 30 years earlier. You would have had great careers. He was telling that to me and Joe. It's true. Yes. That's very uh, true. I mean, I got married right out of high school. Okay. I married this woman. I knew the marriage lasted eight years. It shouldn't have lasted eight minutes. Okay. (laughs) She was, she was a, she was a, yeah. Well, that put a stall, a hold on my life all yeah. those years when I should have been out in California, yeah. you know, sleeping in a car and trying to become something. <laughs> and becoming homeless. Learning yes. how to become homeless the right way. Right. He's very talented and he's, you know, he's done quite well, but he always used to compliment us on our show. You know. 
Roger Sickwell, which I love the backwards forward, sick. Well, and then uh, Mr. Friendly, the characters that Pete Lilly played. Um, Pete, first of all, Pete Lilly is pretty good as is uh, uh, when when he's performing. Yes, he's an interesting guy. He way more depth. never missed a beat. We never had to mm-hmm. to cut or edit any of his stuff. He did it right through. Yeah, and and they had balls being thrown at him, and he yes. just like. Which is outside of his personality. He's just the most exactly. kind-hearted person. But I'll tell you, one of the greatest comedy performances, and I can't believe I'm doing this, was with Brian Bear as the bus, bus driver, driver, as the yeah. the manic bus driver. Well, he was. I mean, people in the, yeah. when that was over, people in the booth were applauding because uh-huh. he was... Yeah. Well, it might have been the role he was meant to play. Maybe it was. Know? Talking about wasted sitcom ideas on Hollywood. You can't sit down. I'm warning you. Yeah. And the fact that he had the fake wheel and yeah. the camera go, went right by him on it at the end was, was beautiful. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was, it was a surprise, you know. You don't know what to expect. And I think that's in the end of the, the Twits shows, the, the last ones, you were looking at things to do outside of the desk. Um, which is fine. It's 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 it, you can do whatever you want. It's your it's your show. And then you kind of experimented with things like Big Oaf Bread, which cracked me up <laughs> because of obviously the guy who played the Big Oaf, which was Steve Murphy character. He was just a camera guy like me at the time, and and he came in. He's got a trophy and he drops it and, and he, steps he steps on it, and, and the voice of it is overdubbed. Hi, mom. <laughs> and it always makes me laugh. Look what yeah. I won. And, and it's it, and I had to dress up as my mom. Oh, <laughs> that, and that's that's how it starts to me. From beginning to end, that's a great sketch. Yeah. A clip from Twits. Oh, Ronnie will be home for lunch any moment. I'd better prepare his big old bread sandwich. Hi, Mom. Look what I want. Big old bread. Bread for the Lomox in your family. Joe came up with the big old bread concept because <laughs> he saw the packaging. Yeah, it's they made bread called Big Loaf, Loaf and yeah. he, he he held his hand over the L and he goes, "Look, Big Oaf." <laughs> yeah. Said, oh, okay. Now we got something. Uh, a day in the life of Joe Didana, <laughs> which is you know, he's seeing stuff nobody else is seeing. That, right. That's quite funny. <laughs> Over the years, ever since you did the scene with uh, Pete Lilly on uh, the movie Reviewer, right? And he always had the same film, which he was the his Ten favorite Commandments. But he <laughs> he's true to that. Still to this day, he still will say that if you talk to him, it's my favorite film, The Ten Commandments. Do you remember when he said, "Run the clip"? And it showed him in the audience, and Joe walked in front, and he grabbed him and threw him over his shoulder. Well, we did that with a dummy. But the editing it's was perfect. so perfect. And, and Pete's voiceover was, yes, yeah, so I was watching this movie, and, you know, this guy gets it from yeah. me. So I thought, what's he doing? So I had to get rid of him. Yeah. <laughs> We're on the clip, Joe. And now, a clip from Twits. Okay, here I am in the theater. They've got great popcorn at this one, let me tell you. And then some jerk comes in, gets right in front of me, can't see a darn thing. So I just <laughs> I had to get rid of him. 
And uh, that's it. Well, there you have it. Oh, great job, Roger. Uh, now it's time for our Traveler of the Week. Bob Sherman. I met this guy named Bob Sherman around 1982. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I saw an ad in the paper. It said, wanted people could, that can do voice impressions. I'm saying, this is interesting. Yeah. He set up over at the Holiday Inn that used to be on Route 25. Uh, he, right, he right. set up with cameras and him just sitting in a chair. Is that right? And, you know, I'd say yeah. a good hundred people came in to audition to do this. He, it was a costume character show. Yeah. Live people with these big heads, costume character, but it, it was all on tape. I got you. And he wanted people to do the voices. Yeah. And out of all these people, he picked me and one other guy. Okay? Okay. And that's, uh, that's how I started getting involved in that. And then he got the idea. He wanted to take a, make a, an elaborate puppet show and take it on the road. Okay. And I... Uh, I said, okay, I'm in. I was working over at Hills Mechana. Yeah. You know, this will be a cheerful change from there. Chopping my fingers off and yeah. inhaling deadly chemicals. Yeah. Yeah. I've lost all these fingers. <laughs> and, uh, but they grew back. Yes. All That's kinds a of big going on. Prop. How big was that ship? Up. The ship was 20 feet long. Wow. Bob built the ship here. <laughs> we took it in pieces out to, the, to, to Maryland. Okay. To a place called Ocean City yeah. in an amusement park. And we set up, on a stage, we set up this ship. And Bob first built the ship in miniature. And it was like this. <laughs> oh, it's one of those. And he built the a stands. Disney guy. He built the stands that people would sit in. And we said, Bob. You don't have to build the stands. I said, Bob, people can see the puppeteers inside the ship. And he took a ruler and put it on top. And he goes, no, no, they can't. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting guy. So was he a producer when you met him? Well, what was he doing? Was he he just... He he was one of the managers at Santa's Village. Okay. Okay. But he he dreamed bigger. He came came up... Yeah, he was the poor man's Walt Disney. Yeah, I was going to say. He came up with with all kinds of uh, uh, ideas to go on at Santa's Village. This, he was at Santa's Village in, in this left. in this outhouse, sticking his head out and smoking a cigar and talking to people as they walked by. <laughs> that, that, that was one That's, of the, You know, that is very yeah. Disney-like. It's like when you get out of the yes. line, or the, as they call it, the queue. Get out of the line, you're leaving the place, there's some, somebody talking to yeah. you from the side, and it, it's, it's usually animatronics. Yeah. And I walked around Santa's Village in a, in a bear costume sometime. The big yeah. head, big smiling bear inside. Yeah. Yeah. I'm saying, somebody kill me oh, yeah, so <laughs> it, it was yeah. but bob had the idea of installing these battery operated fans inside the head it took us i don't know eight months maybe to put the show together and, and this then, is before then toys, us. Right? yes okay this is 83 okay and we took uh we i did most of the voices did tim did some of the voices okay i uh i wrote the script I wrote the songs. Yeah. And, the songs. Nice. Yes. <laughs> and uh, we did the whole thing on tape, so it was it was yeah. synchronized to what the puppets were doing. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. Because that's very smart. We for back then that's very we didn't unique. Think we could uh, we could actually do 
reproduce. Work the puppets and do the voices. Yeah. The, 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 the big yeah. captain Who there. Who do you think you are, the Muppets? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the big captain there took two people to operate him. Yeah. So, Kids. yeah, there's a there's a big clam sitting on a barrel in, in the background. <laughs> Sounds and, like the opening of a yeah. joke, yeah. And he, sa- he, says, he says things like, frankly, scallop, I don't give a clam. <laughs> or, you know, yeah. <laughs> don't be so shellfish. It's uh, perfect things, for you. Yeah, stuff yeah. like that. This kind of came naturally. We're glad we did it. Mm-hmm. Got me out of the factory. Yeah. Yes. Which you don't belong in a factory. You don't. I did ten years in the factory. So you ten years. Yeah. You know, you you go you, to work. You got out of high school. Yeah. And it was easy to get a job then. You walk into a place and hey, hey Frank, could I have a job? Yeah, I grab that stuff over there yeah. and start working. Yeah. <laughs> grab that shovel. Yeah. yeah. I don't like now. No, no. I like then. You know. Yeah. There's so, so many things we've 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 really lost, and one thing that really bothers me, and I might as well get it out there. People have a million photographs in their phone and on their computer. Are they going to print those out and put them in photo albums and pass them down to the like next that. generation? Yeah, no, no, they're not going to do that. No. Our parents had all the photo albums that we. Right, and you could look at now. Looking at them, yes. When you were a kid, I did. Yeah, every weekend, looked at the photos. Yes, we don't. That we've lost that. Okay, right. I said, "What are you going to do? Are you going to is you, are you going to hand that phone down to your <laughs> grandchildren, and they're going to be able to see all these pictures?" Here's my cloud password. Yeah. Um, uh, so that's one thing we don't have. Another thing we don't have is mm-hmm. people don't sit down and write a letter to their friends. And their friends will write a letter back to them. I have one friend that I do that with because mm-hmm. he stays off the grid. I don't know why he does, but we write each other about once a year yeah. and say what's going on. Most of the people that know you uh, stay off the grid. <laughs> Very few people have get-togethers, and, and it makes me wonder how are things going to be passed down from one generation to the next? Well, they're not going to be. Um, and I think we're, you know, it's possible we're seeing Here, some of that. Here's the problem in my family. Uh, my wife is a very nice, wonderful person with morals and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Those crazy things. <laughs> and her family is like that. You get yeah. together with her family and they all sit nice and they talk nicely to yeah. each other. And right. Now, my family, people... Drink, smoke, mm-hmm. swear, yell, mm-hmm. throw things, mm-hmm. and somebody Laugh, always cry. somebody always leaves the party mad. There's no mixing of these two families. <laughs> you yeah. can't. They say sometimes comedians and or people that write comedy have something sad or depressing in their lives. Not that I want yes. to even go in that way. Does that apply to you? Yes, very much so. Comedy is born from tragedy, okay? Do you remember the Twitch couple of sketches about uh, Billy Updike, the boy with no bones? Right. Okay. Yep, you know? yep I do. It's so in the first, first show, I think. Yeah. yeah. And then we did it, I think, in, in another show where they were taking in pledges while he was trying to get out of the chair. Right. And he kept falling over the back of the chair and stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, I had two cousins who both died from muscular dystrophy. One was 17, one was 18. They died a year apart. And I, that always affected me, and I always dwelled on it. So in order to stop dwelling on it, 
I made a comedy routine out of it. Okay. okay. Yeah, sure. And sure. and so, yeah. So the Billy is... Updike stuff might have been leaning in that direction. Right, right. So let's let's just, you know, yeah. Let yeah. people laugh at something like, oh, you can't laugh at people in wheelchairs. Right, right. They're tired of being pushed around. There's been a lot of tragedy in my life. I'm not going to mention a lot of them. No, of course not. You know? It's all right. Uh, when I was seven years old, I was riding a bike with no handle grips. It's just the bare metal. Right. I had an accident. The The bar went up my mouth and ripped my top lip off. It was just hanging there. Really? Okay, I was laying... In the, in, in the street by the curb with the blood was running down Everywhere. the street. Yeah, yeah. And my dad ran out, picked me up, ran over, threw me in the car, yeah. ran back in to get his cigarettes, came back out, <laughs> <laughs> took me to a doctor who sat on my chest and sewed my mouth up. Sat on your yes. chest. A clip from Twits. Next week on This Week in the Suburbs, the dangers of carpooling. Also, exit signs. Are they on their way out? But if you want to see some of these uh, extended versions of these clips that we're talking about, uh, you can look on YouTube, search my name, Paul Hart, and then there's a subcategory, Paul Hart Access 21, and then look for anything titled John uh, John D. Donna or Twits, T-W-I-T-S, with dots in it. So, um, And you can see some of the comedy we're talking about back in the late 80s, right? Right. But anyway, thank you for coming. You're welcome. And uh, hope to see more of your work. And keep at it, man. Hi, this is John DiDonna once again with another taste test. We're here in Friendly's Cafe with this man, Jack Montague, to see if he can tell the difference between Diet Pepsi and Janitor in a Drum. Can you? So what did we learn today from today's show, or what did I learn? What's the big picture here? Well, I I, I think, and I feel very strongly that a little humor may go a long way to improve your health, happiness, and longevity. And as for John Dodonna, our guest today... He's brought and continues to bring the humor. Very simply, John helps make the world spin for quite a few of us. And let's face it, life's better when you're laughing. (laughs) For Life's Learning Curve, thanks to our guest, John Dodonna. I'm Paul Hart. Subscribe to Life's Learning Curve at lifeslearningcurve.org and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser. Episode 63, A Face for Radio. John Didana of Life's Learning Curve Podcast was put together by producer Sebastian T. Dog, executive producer Paul Hart, technical director Heidi Cerner, editor Paul Richards, audio and sound as always, Riley Hart, production manager Jody Donna, studio equipment manager Don Compton. Hey, thanks to our guest John Didana. Please look and find his comedy work on YouTube. Search Paul Hart, H-A-R-D-T, Paul Hart Access 21. 
Find us on Facebook and listen to us just about everywhere podcasts are heard. Visit our website, lifeslearningcurve.org, and subscribe, read a blog, shoot us an email. This episode has imaginative voice recreations. To protect the privacy of others, some names have been changed and characters conflated. Episode 63, A Face for Radio, John DeDonna. I'm Paul Hart, and we will be back soon with more stories from Life's Learning Curve. We're clear. <laughs>